You're listening to the preaching ministry of Redemption Bible Church in New Braunfels, Texas, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you seek to worship Christ, walk with Christ, and work for Christ, all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, please visit redemption.bible. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon at one of our upcoming worship services. And, and uh, once you have your Bible, then go ahead and turn in your copy of God's Word to Luke chapter 2. We'll be in Luke 2, and we're going to really hone in this morning on the angel's announcement uh, to the shepherds in, uh, in verse 11. We'll kind of look at 10 and 11 and some other things, but I want us to hone in this morning on this angelic announcement. And thinking about uh, this an- announcement got me all nostalgic uh, which is, Christmas is good for that, isn't it? Uh, being all nostalgic about our traditions and things. But it got me nostalgic remembering back in my uh, elementary school days to school announcements. You remember those? Uh, y'all, like you begin your day, you'd enter into your classroom, sit down, and uh, over the loudspeaker across the school would, uh, uh, would come the principal's voice or some other office staff or whoever uh, it is, and, uh, and they would then begin to announce all the things that were important for that day at school. Some of the kids in the house this morning are like, ah, oh, come on, like we're out of school, stop talking about school. Other teachers maybe feel the same uh, way here as it's a present reality. But remember as a kid, it was like a great privilege to be chosen to make an announcement, right? Whether it was something happening in the school that day or something else significant or getting to announce like a friend's birthday that was uh, 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 that day. And man, it was, it was, it was something uh, of, of, of great privilege to be chosen, for others of you, you're like, even the thought of that, of your voice being heard in every classroom and across the lesbian is rather like, yeah, terrifying uh, to even think about. But it also made me nostalgic just thinking about announcements and particularly in, in birth announcements or baby announcements as we've had many babies born over the last uh, several months here in our church. And, you know, in, in my day in childhood, when a, a baby was born it would make the local newspaper, right? There are those things. Some of you have no idea what we're talking about. Those things like uh, big printed, you know, black ink and pictures and delivered to your house called a newspaper. Well, many of us don't have. But in those days, there was like baby's born and it was put there in where I grew up in the Platteville Journal. And there was a whole section that uh, would announce and tell the world or at least everybody within there you know, countywide distribution that uh, this baby had been born. And every day, maybe uh, there was one or two or maybe multiple. And now today when babies are born, I guess maybe does the Herald Zeitung have a a birth announcement in place? Any of you all get it? I don't know. But when a baby is born today, how do we announce it to the world? Facebook, right, on socials. Like we put there a cute picture in that like predetermined onesie with like a cute saying on it and maybe in a matching way with the other siblings or mom and dad. And it gets put out there on socials with all the important information of birth and or uh, of date of birth and hour and even minute of birth and the length and the, uh, and the weight and all of that uh, information. But when we think about Jesus' birth and his announcement, it didn't make the local Bethlehem uh, Zeitung. They probably didn't have newspapers or anything there, nor did like Mary blow up social media and uh, everything with like pictures of Jesus and cute swaddling cloths with barnyard animals and things on it. That'd be kind of cool. 
or rather his birth, was announced by the most divine of messengers to the lowest of servants, as we've heard read. Even this morning in Luke chapter 1, his uh, a birth was uh, announced beforehand to this unwed teenage girl who was given the privilege of carrying and raising Jesus as the Son of God. And shortly thereafter in Matthew 2, it tells that her fiancé Joseph was also told of his birth. And then on the day of his actual birth, Luke chapter 2 there, The announcement was made to the lowly, outcast shepherds by these angelic messengers. See, the more important the message, the more important the messenger to deliver this good news. And that's why I would just uh, uh, put before you this morning on on Christmas Eve, really this uh, simple truth. You can see it here on the screen. Just write this down, this simple truth that the Savior is born is among the greatest of announcements ever made. What we find here in Luke 2.11, or to make it even more personal, uh, for unto you a Savior is born, is amongst the greatest announcements ever made in the history of humanity. And I realize that it's a a, a tall claim. And so let's just consider the text through uh, asking some questions of not only this text, but also of what we know from, from John here. See, what was it exactly that was announced? Well, look at the text here, John or uh, Luke chapter 2, 10 and 11. The angel said to them, that's the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, what was announced? What was this good news of great joy for all the people? It is just simply that the long-awaited king, the long-awaited Messiah was born, this Savior who is Christ the Lord, the one that would been, uh, hints had been dropped uh, for uh, millennia prior to this through the Old Testament, even what we looked at last week, the one, the long-awaited king had finally arrived. That's what made this uh, so uh, significant. It's what, here is this king who had come. Or think of the titles that we've seen in John's gospel. Think back to John chapter 1 and all those uh, uh, titles that were dropped about, uh, about Jesus. And though John doesn't take us back to or begin his gospel at, the, at his actual birth, but rather he starts with the birth of the ministry. And in, in his description of it, he lays out all those names, all those titles that had been dropped over the centuries to God's people in expectation of the king. Each of these titles are announcements pregnant with significance. Or just think of this, in John chapter 1, you find these titles alone. The Word, speaking of Jesus, He's the Word, He's the true light, He's the Lamb of God, He's a rabbi or teacher, He's the Messiah, Christ. He's the one wrote about by Moses and the prophets. He's called Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, and also the son of God, king of Israel, son of man. See, the king had left his throne and his glory in heaven and was born. This was an announcement worth paying attention to. Imagine yourself at work, whatever it might be, or in your classroom there uh, in the fields or in the factory or in the office or at home, and if a divine messenger showed up announcing that a Savior is born, would we pay attention? 
Hopefully so, hopefully. But why then is this so important? Okay, a Savior for unto you, a Savior has been born, but why is this so significant? Well, John taps into this in his explanation, John 1, 14. You're probably familiar with it, but here it is on the screen. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, the message here that is being announced that a Savior is born is so important because Jesus came as a human and there gave us a glimpse of glory. Those perfections in God of grace and truth that exist only in God became flesh, put on skin and bones, became a human like you and me, and He dwelt or made his residence, he made his abode, he made his home here among us. And even that language uh, uh, strikes back to our Old Testament. The thoughts of Exodus and Leviticus and the building of the tabernacle where God's people would go to meet with him through all the uh, rituals, through all the traditions, through all the, 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 the habits and actions that they had to do in order to come into his presence and in all of that nothing trite or unintentional but God graciously giving his people a way uh, for them to come near him and now at this announcement the, the tides have been turned now God has come near to us Jesus as the fulfillment of that tabernacle what all of that activity what all of those rituals were pointing towards God was now present his skin veiling the glory as the tent fabric once did where Jesus, the Word, the Creator, once holding all the universe in the palm of His hands, now being held in Mary's hands. And what would motivate Him to do this? What would move the Son of God to leave heaven's throne for earth's dirt? Grace and truth. Grace and truth, the truth that uh, we uh, were uh, helpless and hopeless, that we were left in our sin without any way to be near to God and God's grace. An undeserved gift to come and pay the penalty that we deserved in order to be with Him. See, surely nothing those first century people were doing had impressed God like so much that he had to come check him, uh, check things out. No, the truth is that what they were doing, and we too, was equally offensive to God and destructive to ourselves and others. And so it was grace and truth that compelled Jesus to come. Pity and compassion drove Jesus to give us grace, the undeserved gift of himself, of his nearness. One hand is grace and the other hand his truth. He was moved by or full of this grace and truth, incomprehensible grace and undeniable truth. They're wrapped in blankets contained in human flesh. Both of these intertwined perfectly in Jesus who had come to rescue us, to save us. His truth They're being motivated that he alone is the Savior and his grace. They're giving it to us where the truth is not just mere information or data on a page, but bringing to life there what God had done, his action, his activity to save us at the exact right time. See, this is what was announced. This is why it is so significant. 
But think with me then on the timing and the place of all of this. For the announcement in Luke chapter 2, verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Now, does this matter? Likely you know that God announced through the prophet Micah long ago that the Messiah would come uh, through Bethlehem. Not here it is, Micah 5, 2 on the screen. It says this, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. No, God had dropped this uh, uh, long ago, and so was the timing of all this in the place that significant. Well, yes, God had to be true to his word, but consider just also the providential workings of his time in human history. And as I was thinking on this, I came across this, uh, this excerpt from uh, uh, this book, Our Christmas Story, by Ruth Bell Graham. And I want to read to you, because she says it uh, uh, most eloquently here, in just a snippet called The Time Runs Short, as we think on the providence of God in sending Christ on this, at this time to this place. She says this, It had to be a very special time. The time when God's Son came into the world. It had to be a time when many people could understand one language. After his son had done his great work of love, of course God would want people everywhere to know about it. He would want them to know that death was finished, that the long separation was over, that they could come back into that close fellowship with him whenever they chose to, that sin could never again build an everlasting wall between them and God. How was this wonderful news going to get to every person in the world? At first, only the children of Israel would know about it. But they would tell others, and those people would tell still more people, until the whole world knew what God had done. And so to pass the good news along from one person to the next, people had to be able to understand each other. They had to be able to travel to distant places too, so that the very farthest city on the other side of the mountains and the country beyond the sea would know. Therefore, at the time when God's Son was born, there had to be strong ships and wide roads. God watched the world waiting for his perfect time. Kings quarreled with each other as they always had, and sometimes one of them was so strong that he conquered several countries and called himself an emperor. Then the emperor built roads to join his different countries and tried to make everyone speak his language, but still it was not time. The roads were not good enough and the empires were not big enough. Hundreds of years went by and still it was not time. It may seem to us like a long time to wait, but what to us are long, slow years. To God is only the blinking of an eye. And then a city called Rome grew up with the strongest army the world had ever seen. The Roman army conquered all the countries around Rome and then the countries farther away until Rome had conquered the whole world. When Romans said the whole world, they didn't mean places like America and China and Australia because they didn't know about them. They meant only the part of the world that they knew. To make sure that all of these conquered people obey them, the Romans built roads to take their armies all over the known earth. They were very good roads, wide stone roads. After all, the Romans had all the slaves in the world to lift the stones for them. They set other slaves to work building hundreds of speedy, sturdy ships. The roads and the ships were built for the army. But God, looking on, saw that they would be useful for something else. One of the countries the Romans had conquered was Greece. Because the language of Greece was so beautiful and clear, many people spoke it. And God, listening, knew that Greek would be the perfect language for telling his good news. 
If a man refused to obey the Roman laws, Roman soldiers marched down their broad highways and put him to death in a cruel way. The cruel way was crucifixion, which meant that the man was hung on a wooden cross until he died. God watching knew that the time was growing short. This was the way his son must die. God had one final choice to make. He had chosen the children of Israel to build a nation for his son in the town of Bethlehem as his birthplace, but the baby still had no family to care for him. God was his father, but the baby needed a mother. God searched among his people for a woman worthy to be the mother of his son, which would be a princess living in a palace or a rich man's daughter who wore bright dresses and jewels and had maids to arrange her hair and rub it with sweet-smelling perfume. God did not choose one of these. He chose instead a modest young girl named Mary, who lived in the little town of Nazareth in Galilee. He sent his angel Gabriel to tell Mary that she had been chosen to be the mother of his son. The angel told her, Very soon now you will have a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He shall be very great and shall be called the Son of God, and his kingdom shall never end. At first Mary was so amazed that she could hardly speak, but she had always loved God and tried to obey him, and So she said to the angel, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to do whatever he wants. May everything you said come true. She was going to marry a kind, strong man called Joseph. Long ago, a man named Jeremiah had told the children of Israel that the Savior, when he came, would belong to the family of David, and both Mary and Joseph were members of that family descended from the great King David. Joseph took good care of Mary as the time grew near for her baby to be born. But what about the words of Micah, who had said that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem? Nazareth, where Joseph and Mary lived, was almost a hundred miles from Bethlehem by the twisting road, and in those days, a hundred miles was a tremendous distance. But as we shall see, Micah was right. The emperor in Rome at that time was Caesar Augustus. That meant Caesar the Splendid. And although the people didn't think he was splendid, everybody in the world obeyed the emperor. But how many people was everybody in the world? Caesar didn't know, so he decided to count them. Of course, he didn't want to count them just so that he could say, well, I I am emperor of 20 million, or how many ever it was. He wanted to know how many people he ruled so that he would know how much gold they could pay to him. Each year, every country in his empire had to send him a certain amount of gold as taxes. If it had no gold, the country had to send him its fattest sheep or a whole camel train of its finest wheat. Of course, a large country had to give more to Caesar than a small country. So in order to know how much each country should pay, Caesar had to count all the people in the world. Now, in order to keep the different families and places in that huge empire straight, Caesar decided that everyone should go back to the town where his family had first lived to be taxed there. And Caesar Augustus decided something. It was the law. All over the Roman world, people had to go to their hometowns and be counted for the tax. It might not be convenient to go. A farmer might be planting his wheat just then. It might not even be safe. There might be old people in a family or a very young baby or perhaps a sick person. But when Caesar said go, people went. Do you remember how it began? The story we have heard this morning? About this time, Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the nation. Everyone was required to return to his ancestral home for this registration. And because Joseph was a member of the royal line, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, King David's ancient home. Journeying there from the Galilean village of Nazareth, he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously expecting a child by this time. 
But now is the time. Now is the very year and the very day. This is the time for the Son of God to be born. End quote. So you can see, even in her words here, the providence of God to make this great announcement that the Savior is born. Yes, through the workings of kings and censuses and, and, uh, and calendars, but all under the providential hand of God that on this day, in this city, this announcement that a Savior is born to us would be made. And see, consider also the significance for whom the announcement was made. For in the larger uh, uh, announcement of 10 and 11 in Luke 2, the angel says, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, in the first, it's an announcement that is broad for all the people. But it is also very personal. For unto you is born this day. This is not one of those announcements that you can ignore or put out of your mind, for it is for somebody else. As if it is an announcement that has no uh, bearing upon your life, but this is for all the people and ultimately for you. Yes, the announcement came through an Israelite family and, and through these Israelite shepherds, the same family or the same uh, people of Israel for whom the very oracles of God were entrusted. But the Savior was for the world. The gospel is good news for all the people. This announcement was for you. For me, our ethnicity gives us no advanced standing. Our giftedness earns us no uh, automatic spot on the team. And our financial credit score has no bearing upon our heavenly account. But rather, God knew our hopelessness, our helpless state, and he sent his son to be born that he might take us to be back where he is. For this was an announcement not only that the angels announced on this Christmas day, but uh, uh, several decades later, the Father himself would part the heavens and make an announcement at Jesus' baptism. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. His Son who was sent to both live and to die. Or think for a moment back to the newspapers. Right next to uh, the uh, birth announcement section often is the obituary. The record of those who are no longer alive, those who have died, a daily reminder as we uh, see the brevity of life, both the joy in birth and the sorrow in death, the reminder that everyone has a start date and an end date, some longer, some shorter than others. And so too, right next to the announcement of Jesus' birth, is the reminder of his death. The very reason why Jesus came and was born was to die. He was sent here as a human to live, yes, the perfect life we were required to live and didn't and couldn't and died the death, then that we should have died and didn't and rose again so that we might have eternal life. 
So for unto you a Savior is born is among the greatest announcements ever made and what we remember each and every Christmas and wake up in light of every day, not just Christmas morning. And so what should we do about it? Well, first and foremost, we should believe it, to receive it, to embrace the gospel, the good news of great joy for all people. And as we live in light of this great joy, then we should tell others about it so that they can be amazed at the wonder of it all as well. Think just here in verse 18, the shepherds tell others and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. If nothing else for us, let this be a season, this Christmas be our opportunity to announce the good news of great joy. For our world could sure use some joy, couldn't it? Some great joy, as a matter of fact, and let us then be those among those who announce this greatest announcement. And so we should embrace it and tell others about it, and lastly, we should worship. It's interesting to me that, as we've seen here in Luke 1 and Luke 2, at all those who, uh, at the hearing of the announcement of the Savior being born, it is followed with worship with glorifying and praising God at the very announcement of his arrival, they uh, all break out in praise, which is ultimately what we've sought to do together on our Christmas Eve uh, morning through this worship service. More than just singing cheery songs about the season and the festivities, we have gathered to worship Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, born to us among the uh, greatest announcements ever made. 